Thank you, Naomi. That's a great song. I like that whole idea, all the words. Uh, There's always a way with God. God can make a way, and he's the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you so much. I sure do love Steve and Naomi and their girls, and what a blessing they have been to us, not just my wife and I, but our church family all through these years. And they do a lot of things that nobody sees, and that, like I was talking earlier, most of you do that. You do things, people, you don't stand here or sit here. Um, if you're new, and you may say, why are you sitting down? Well, I have some back trouble. And uh, so it just helps me to not hurt as bad, so that's why I do that. I want you to turn to Galatians with us this morning. And this is so rich, it's so rich and good. My friend Merlin, I thought about him this morning. I talked to him um, for a few moments. And I was preaching through the book of Philippians, and then um, COVID interrupted. And I still have some ground to go through that. I'd like to get back to that, but the Lord wants us to do some other things right now. But I was I was teaching out of uh, Philippians one twenty seven and I broke that verse apart. Just just and Merlin told me he and I are very close and so, you know, friends talk and he said, uh, you know, he said after about the fourth week I thought, when is he gonna get out of verse twenty seven? And then he, he said, you remember this talk, Merlin? And then he said, uh, but you know, he said, about the fifth week, he said, it all came together for me. And I knew, I saw that that's why he's doing that. It all made sense and it changed. It helped me see the whole passage. And I hope you, I hope that that's your story. As I, I say labor, it's a labor for me. It's also a joy I don't want you to think I don't have anything else better to do. I have um, all kinds of ideas that I feel like the Lord has given to me. But we've been talking about inviting and investing, and really the order is invest and invite. We want you to do that. And what, But it's one thing to just tell people. It's another thing to equip them. And so this is kind of the baseline. This is the motivation to do that. And so the title of this uh, little series is The Law That Makes Us or Breaks Us. And it's really the title of every message because it's a different application of that. I want to open with a, a little story. Uh, a little over a year ago, I was having lunch with one of our men in a local restaurant. And uh, a lady was waiting on us that had waited on, on me before in that same restaurant and had waited on Paula and I at a different restaurant. So she was at another restaurant and then came over to this new restaurant. And so I knew her name, and but I didn't know her well. But I try to always ask a waiter or waitress their name just so I can use their name. Dale Carnegie said the, the sweetest sound in the human language is a person's name. And so I, I've tried to do that. I'm not good with that. So I, I want to do that. And so uh, she took our order and we were there for for uh, some serious issues uh, to talk about. And then she finished taking her order, 
And then she looked at me and she said, would you, would you please pray for me? She said, my husband died last month. And I was kind of taken aback by the seriousness of it, but by the fact that she asked me to pray for her. I never told her I was a pastor. I had invited her church before, but uh, never mentioned that. Maybe she just knew I loved the Lord, whatever reason. She said, would you pray for me? Ma'am, I, I would be glad to do that for you. And we did. We prayed then, and I prayed for her since then. Well, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Paul and I were out to eat uh, at one of our favorite restaurants. Uh, we took Aubrey there uh, the other day because Aubrey wanted to go there. It's where I, I take all my girls because they like to go there. Ashley doesn't like it as much, so I have to take her where they have chicken. But uh, anyhow, Paul and I were by ourselves at that place. And, you know, uh, ministry, your job is not just a place where you earn a paycheck. It's your ministry. And when you go out to eat, you're not just there with your wife, your husband, or to, you know, satisfy your appetite. You're ministering. Everything you do is you're a minister. All of us are ministers. We're servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we sat down at the table. Well, guess who waited on us? It was the lady that waited on me and my friend over a year ago. So now she's working at two different restaurants. And they were a little busy that night, and she was very busy. She had a lot of tables, and she was having to take your order real fast and, and really didn't have a lot of time. And was going back and forth. I told Paula that story. I didn't know she remembered me. And so at the end of the uh, meal, you know, we're ready for our check. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll just invite her to our church again, you know, compliment her on something. I didn't want to ask her, you know, about her heartache because it's so hurtful with something like that. And um, I said, could we get the check? And so she brought us the check, and she brought us a, a piece of cake. And she said, now, now this, is, this is on the house. You waited so long. I've been so busy. And this is on the house. I said, well, thank you. And I started looking around at all the other people there that had waited. And we were the only ones she brought a piece of cake to. And the only deduction I have is that she, she was just trying to say thank you. She was just trying to, hey, I, I, you did have to wait. But you, uh, I remember you. She's a little awkward. You minister everywhere you go. You invest and you invite. Not once. Not twice. You invest all the time. And and you invite. Not the same way every time. That becomes predictable and they just turn you off. I've taught you that um, evangelism is a process. Salvation is an event. Uh, when I grew up, I don't think people intended to do this, but... I believe that uh, evangelism was an event. 
and it was like going hunting. And if you came back without, you know, a deer, you were a failure. You know, you ask somebody, Hunter, well, how, how's it going? Well, I didn't get anything, you know. And so if you came back and you hadn't, nobody had prayed a prayer or whatever, then, okay, it wasn't any good. But that's not, that's not true. Evangelism is a process. Getting people to Christ is a process. He's the Savior. And that is the event. The, a new birth is, a pro, is an event. When they're born again, it's a, it's a moment in time. And we use the acronym CPR. Each level is important, and each level builds on the other. And there's three questions that summarize each level. Sometimes we put these in the bulletin. On the cultivating level, C stands for cultivating. It's how can I help you? And sometimes you don't even ask them that. You're just looking. You ever uh, minister to somebody, maybe they've lost their family or they had a fire? You say, well, let me know if you need anything. Now, 999 times out of 1,000, they're not going to call you. Now, you may, be, you, you may be sincere. They're not going to call you. You just help them. You just bring a pie. You just cut their grass. You just do something. I mean, you just, so, so you ask them, how can I help you? And then you just do something. And you have eyes for it. The Bible says, consider one another. The planting question is, do you know how a person can be prepared to go to heaven? And there's a lot of ways you can ask that question. I just put that question up there. This is when you, when you plant the seed of the gospel, you begin to give them the gospel. So it's not just about being nice. God didn't call us to be nice people. He called us to be witnesses. And then the reaping is, would you like to receive the gift of eternal life? In the person of Christ Jesus today. Would you like to be saved today? CPR, cultivate, plant, and reap. Each stage opens the door to the next stage. But you're investing and you're inviting. So the law that makes us or breaks us is the law of sowing and reaping. It works for your benefit or it works for your harm. When you sow good seed, you get good results. When you sow corrupt seed... You get corrupt results. I want to encourage you to invest every day, all the time, not just in lost people. We'll talk about this uh, maybe next week. But invest in, invest in your, your Christian friends. You ought to be an investor. You ought to, you ought to uh, one man taught me this. He said, when you, when you have a, a meal with somebody, always bring something to the table. That's what he said. Always bring something to the table. It may be a book. It may not be the book, just the title. Hey, I read this. You might enjoy this. Or it may, you may take away something from the table where you picked up something. And it may be a little quote. It may be a, a message you listen to. My wife does that a lot. Which she'll hear a message and send it and say, this will help you. It may be a song. I mean, there's a lot of But But you're, you're always in an investment mindset. What can I do for you? You want to add value. That's a kind of a secular way of saying that. Are you a giver or a taker? I mean, you're, you're one of the others. And then invite people. People will listen to you if you've invested in them. And they're not going to listen if you don't invest. Now, let me say this for the 
50,374th time. People don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. This is not manipulative. You're doing it because you love them. And in and, and first place, that's why you have to invest so much because they're going to test that. They, they don't believe a lot of times where other people are, what do you want from me? I, I, I just love you. And then invite them. Invite them out for a meal. Invite them out for a conversation over coffee. Just learn about them. Learn how to be a conversationalist. Read Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's not a book on manipulation. Sounds like it, but it's not. It's about how to develop friendships. They changed the title of it to, to a book on leadership. It's a great book. It has some biblical principles in it. You can, you can manipulate people with it, but you're not supposed to. I read that book. It changed my life. It taught me as an introvert how to engage with people. And have to talk in terms of, the, that's one of the points in the book, talk in terms of the other person's interests. I'm amazed at how many Christians, people in general, but especially Christians all know better, they, they don't know how to talk in terms of the other person's interests. They never ask about, well, how's your family or, or what's your work like? Where'd you go to school? How long have you been married? And the whole conversation is about them. Philippians two four says, "Look not man, look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others." And then verse five says, "Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, a servant's mindset, an other's mindset. Invite them to hear your story about how you came to the Lord. This invitation thing is not just one thing where we're in, and invite them to church." But I want you to see the invitation is a part of who you know. So much there. Let's read the text in Galatians 6, please. Galatians 6, 7. Be not mocked. God is not, I'm sorry, be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. The first principle we get from there is you cannot ignore God's principles. The Bible there says, that you're going to reap what you sow. Whatsoever a man soweth, that, that shall he also reap. God is not mocked. You're not going to make a fool out of God. You can't change the crop. You're going to have the crop for good or bad. So you cannot ignore this principle of God. If you want a good crop, sow good seed. Second principle is this. You get to choose the harvest you want. You make your choice, and then your choice makes you. You get to choose the harvest. Verse 8, He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. That doesn't mean you're going to heaven everlasting life. It speaks of a quality of life, not of a quantity of life. Uh, you know, a lot of things we live for are going to die I've taught you there are only two things that are eternal, is the Bible and people. When I invest my time in the Bible, I'm not only I'm not wasting time, I'm investing a good return. When I invest in people, and I learn their names, and I love them, and I help them, and I serve them, it's a good return. I think sometimes our, our children don't want to listen to us because we don't invest in them. We don't... We don't We've loved them because we have paid their bills, but we don't invest in them. Same thing's true in marriage. So on the front end of your choice, you determine your future. 
Your future is determined by what you sow. You get to choose your harvest. Number three, you must understand that reaping has a season. The Bible says there in verse 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. The weariness there is not the weariness of body, it's, it's the weariness of the soul. Where you get discouraged, you get tired. This is a farmer analogy, agricultural analogy. I'm just tired. I don't see any results. Be not weary of well-doing. Notice it, doing well, doing good. What you're doing is right. Don't let your soul get discouraged. My wife helps me so much with this. I'll, I'll get weary and, and she will help my thinking get straight. Someone said, don't, don't get weary. It's okay to get weary in the work, but don't get weary of the work. There's a difference in having a tired body and a tired soul. I'll tell you for sure. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. The word faint means to release. It means to relax. So when I, when I focus on my time frame, rather than God's time frame, God has a season. We looked at this in Ecclesiastes 3. For in due season we shall reap. Notice the conditional phrase there, or term there, if. In due season we shall reap if, if, if we faint not. If we faint not. I can't release. I, I can't let go of my task. I can't quit. You see, if you don't sow seed, you're not going to reap a harvest. Don't, don't, don't quit. Now, I, now, and this is the bulk of the message here. How, how did Paul wrote these words through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? But what was Paul's secret? How, how did Paul, and Paul got discouraged. He wrote this. He knew what it was in other places. What were Paul's secrets to not getting weary in the work and not fainting? He, di- he didn't relax his grip and let go of the task because he didn't let his soul get weary. There's two secrets I want to show you and. You want to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to show you the first one. This is such a blessing. I'm excited to show it to you. Why you're waiting in due time. Because God will make you wait. I taught you this last week. You will wait. He's shaping his character in you. He's doing a work in you. God does a work in you before he does a work through you. Well, here's what happens. And Notice in verse 1, 2 Corinthians 4, 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. The first secret Paul had was mercy. God's mercy. He was able not to faint and able not to, to get weary in the work because of mercy. Now, when he says we have this ministry, what ministry is he talking about? We have to go back to chapter 3, which is a great chapter. It talks about Moses who mediated the law to the people. And when he came down from Mount Sinai, we talked about that a little bit in Sunday school this morning. He came down from Mount Sinai. His face was glowing. And he had to wear a, a veil because the people, he didn't want the people to be attracted to what him, but to God, and he wore that veil. God, his face glowed. And then it contrasts the work of the law and the work of the Spirit. Now stay with me here in Second Corinthians chapter 3. And he says, we, the gospel 
is that Jesus paid it all and we have the Holy Spirit in us to transform us and to do the work in us. In fact, in chapter 3, he says, who's, who's able to do this work? And nobody is. But God is able to do the work in you. And it is the mercy of God. None of us deserve the mercy of God. So here's what happens. I remember when I was in college, I was taking a class called Counseling for Christian Workers. Obviously, it was on counseling. It was a really, really good class. I learned much from it. And uh, Dr. Nichols was teaching us. He was also the president of the college. And he said, I want to illustrate what frustration is. Because we express frustration. I'm frustrated with whatever. What are you frustrated about this morning? Some of you have some frustrations with filling the blank. They'll all be different. And so he drew a high wall, a real high wall. And then on this side, he drew a stick figure of a person. And then on the other side, he just drew something that the person wanted. So here I am, and this is what I want, but I can't get through it because of this wall. And I keep hitting the wall, and I'm frustrated. And the mercy of God, listen, the mercy of God, the ministry of the gospel, therefore seeing we have this ministry, and now God has given me a ministry to minister as the Holy Spirit enables me, watch this, as we have received mercy. Listen carefully to this statement. Ministry is not something you achieve, it's something you receive. And that's why we're not effective sometimes. We think, well, I've got to achieve this. This is a goal. There are four steps. And then we, we hit obstacles. We hit frustrations. And then we get upset. And then we're not worth anything. Ministry is something you receive. You see, God does a work in you before he does a work through you. And and whether you're, you're greeting people back here, and even if you're you have a semi-public Ministry, You may not be up here all the time, but what you do comes through. If you've been walking with God all week, that kind of sloshes over. People, people can tell because of the ministry of God's mercy in your life. And the result, he says, as we have received mercy, we faint not. The mercy of God, the work of God in my life. Because God is real. Now, I love that word mercy. It's who he is. God doesn't have mercy. He is mercy. Richard Sibbs, he was a Puritan, he said this. Listen to this. He said, there is more mercy in Christ than there is sin in us. That's something to chew on. There's more mercy in Jesus than there is sin in us. And sometimes we think, well, I I burned it up. He doesn't want, he's tired of me. Listen, he is... His mercy is great. He loves you. But it's not that He he just loves you. He is a father of mercy, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says. But get this, His mercy not only met me at the cross, but Lamentations 3 says His mercies are new every morning. I received mercy on February the 18th, 1968, and it really goes back further than that. God could have killed me a long time before that because of my sins. But he forbear me. And he showed me mercy at salvation. But then he has mercies, fresh mercies every day. 
And if you're here, you feel like, preacher, I'm a failure. I have these limitations. I have these weaknesses. I'm not very good at this. Well, Paul said, seeing we have this ministry, and it's a ministry of the gospel, it's a ministry of mercy, it's a ministry of the Holy Spirit working in and through you, as we have received, not achieved, you don't achieve mercy, it's a gift. As we have received mercy, the result of that is you don't faint. Some of you are tired from trying to be a good Christian. There's only one person that ever lived the Christian life, and that was Jesus. You're never going to be a good Christian. In fact, when you use the term good, it's a term of measurement, good, better, and best. And it implies, well, that person is a good Christian. And I'm not rebuking you. I know what it means when we say that. But the idea is they read a lot of the Bible or they go to a lot of church or they do. And it becomes, it becomes comparative. So I know if I did these things, I'll be a good Christian. The truth is, it will probably put you in a place to be more like Jesus, but it may not. It may not at all. You see, the mercy of God is something that's new every morning. It's your encounter with Christ. And the Bible says, as you encounter Him, that He helps you not to faint. Warren Wearsby said about this verse, just a few sentences, listen to this. He said, if you look on serving Christ as a burden instead of a privilege, you will be a drudge and do only what is required of you. Only what is required. Some people even look on service as a punishment from God. When Paul considered the fact that he was a minister of Jesus Christ, he was overwhelmed with the grace and mercy of God. Paul's positive attitude toward the ministry had some practical consequences in his life. And one of those was he didn't faint. You know, I'm real careful about what I say because I think, hey, man, just hang in there. Just hang in there. Well, you're, you're putting it all on me. I can't do that. But he's holding on to me. And when I think about that, he's holding on to me. That, that gives me strength. That enables me. That helps me. I think sometimes we mean well when we tell people to do things. Well, just, just give, it a, give it a good college try. That's not the way you live for Jesus. Adrian Rogers said, living for Jesus is not your responsibility. It's your response to God's ability. It's not about you making this list and then going through the list. It's, it's God in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it's your response to that ability, that power, the desire and ability that he's given to you. So the first secret was the mercy of God. The second secret that Paul had was the daily presence and power of Jesus. It's similar, but it's expressed different. Same chapter. The daily presence of God and the power of God. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at verse 14. Knowing that he, this is God, which raised up the Lord Jesus, shall raise up us also by Jesus. That's resurrection power. He raised Christ, shall raise up us also. And shall present us with you in heaven one day. This is an assurance. For all things are for your sakes. 
It's another way to express Romans 8, 28. God is sovereignty. He's working all this for your glory, for His glory, for your good. That the abundant, look at this, the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many because of what He's doing in and through you, redound. Now that's an old English word that just means in abundance. That it will in abundance bring the glory of God. That is, the grace of God, the abundant grace of God working you, it causes you to be thankful. Now look at verse uh, 16 here. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. I mean, your circumstances, I alluded to this earlier, the news goes in here, and if you're not careful, it goes from here to here to your heart. And you forget about a great God that is on your side, that He's in you. And you don't need to relax. You don't need to let go of the task that God has given to you. The Bible says that your inward man is renewed. And I have this underlined, day by day. That's why you need to have a time alone with the Lord every day. Or you're going to faint. Your outward man is going to perish. You're going to get tired. In the flesh, you're going to get discouraged. People are going to do you wrong. You just do, you do what's right on the inside. Your inward man is renewed day by day. And this was Paul's secret, the mercy of God in the day, the presence and power of Christ. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season, what do you do in the due season when you're not reaped? You do those things. And you won't faint. You meet with the Lord. You, you remember His mercy. You revel in His mercy. You take hold of His mercy. You, you're renewed day by day with the daily presence and the power of Christ. And he, he will help you. He will change you. There's no need for you to be a grump. Can I say it this way? There's no need for you to be negative. You don't need to let go. Seed that is sown in the ground doesn't blossom, produce, or bear fruit immediately. James 5 says that the farmer has to learn patience. He has to wait. Parents learn that. You learn to be patient with your children. It takes some time to grow. It takes some time to mature. This is the, the law of the harvest. But my timetable is, Lord, I, I want now. I want I want prosperity now, even spiritual prosperity. You know, I think, I think a lot of times God's doing a work in you, but you can't see it. Let me put it this way. I don't know who the, the most humble person is in here this morning, but whoever it is, they don't know who they are because they don't think they're humble. I don't know who the best Christian is in here this morning, but whoever they are, they don't know who they are. And the work God is doing in you, you can't see it, but other people can see it. And let Him let Him craft you and mold you and shape you in, in due time while you're waiting on Him. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, the Bible says there in verse 4, He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. A couple of things in that verse. First of all, the clouds and the wind change all the time. Now, we've seen that in the last couple of weeks, haven't we? I mean, it just changes all the time. 
And if you if you live your life rather not on obedience but on emotions, you're never here. It is you're never going to sow. You shall not sow, and you shall not reap. Now underline this: He that observeth the wind, he that regardeth the cloud. You know what that is? That's living by sight. That's not living by faith. Well, I, I'm gonna. I'm just going to sow this, but it's not going to do any good. Well, you just just sow, sow on anyway. This little waitress that you know we I told you about at the beginning of the message. We talked to her before. We've been kind to her before. We've been cultivating. It's not doing any good. Well, I don't know that. I don't know her background. I, I'm I'm called to be faithful, not famous. Let God bring the fruit. Do, do what God has asked you to do. Look at verse 5. As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, small s, the way of the wind, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her. I'm going mispron- to change a word here. Nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that has a fetus. Do you know when the Bible talks about a lady that's pregnant, she's always with child? Now, here's a Bible text that says people that are pregnant, it's a child. It's not a fetus. That's why abortion is a sin. It's wrong. Because what the Bible teaches, plus there's just common sense with it, nor have the bones to grow on the herd that is which are. That's a miracle. That is, I remember the first time Paula would tell me about how you know, oh, the baby's kicking. She's pregnant with Jeremiah. Where? And I, I never, I didn't. And I remember that first night sitting on the couch at home. She right here, right here. Man, and that thing, that leg, arm, whatever it was moving. I said, wow, wow. Those of you that are dads, I don't know that the moms appreciate it as much as we did. Uh, somebody said we had uh, Thad and uh, Evie came in our class this morning, and, and our thoughtful lady said, Oh, congratulations! How are you feeling? And I want to say, Thad, how have you been feeling? You know, and, you know I'm not, I better not go there. I'll just save it for church. But uh, anyhow, it's a miracle when you the baby grows, when the baby is delivered. It's a miracle. But look at it. Even so, thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. And you see that thou knowest not. You don't understand these things. And I don't understand how God is working. Now this is true in life. It's true in song and reading. It's true in evangelism. It's true with them. It's true at work. You don't know what God is doing. So, verse 6, In the morning sow thy seed. In the evening withhold not thine hand. Don't stop. Don't relax. For thou knowest not, look at this, you don't know whether shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they both alike shall be good. It requires faith. All good friends, sow good seed. Be faithful. Just be faithful. Be faithful. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding, Always abounding. The word abounding there has the idea of overflowing, exceeding what is needed. Going the second mile. 
Look what we're abounding in, the work of the Lord. What is the work of the Lord? It's making disciples. And part of keeping this property nice is the work of the Lord. It it helps us to bring people in here. Part of being a warm community here. We don't, I don't teach you that. You just do, you learn to love people. The work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And Jesus notices. He notices when, when you don't faint, but you want to. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 3 talks to the church at Ephesus that you, you have borne. That means you've carried through hard times. You have patience. And for my name's sake has labored and you have not fainted. It's been hard, but you didn't faint. And God is commending them. Oh, good friend, listen, if, if you're laboring and you're, you're not seeing much fruit, just, just stay with the stuff. Keep on investing, invest, invest, and invite, and serve, and cultivate, and plant, and reap, and be about your father's business. The Bible says in Psalm 126 and verse 5, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. That's a promise. That that little phrase, bearing precious seed, do you know what it means? It has the idea in the Hebrew. It means having a leaky seed basket. It means just everywhere you go. Everywhere you go, you're sowing seeds. Everywhere you go, everywhere you go, invest. Everywhere you go, invite. And be involved in the ministry 24-7. And do what you're called to do. Do what you're supposed to do. The secret is not to focus on the harvest, but on the sowing. I've dreamed many dreams that never came true. I've seen them vanish at dawn. But I've realized enough of my dreams, thank the Lord, to make me want to dream on. I prayed many prayers when no answer came, though I've waited patient and long. But answers have come to enough of my prayers to make me keep praying on. I've trusted many a friend that failed and left me to weep alone. But I found enough of my friends really true that will make me keep trusting on. I've drunk from the cup of disappointment and pain. I've gone many days with that song, but I've sipped enough nectar from the roses of life to make me keep living on. I've sown many seeds that have fallen by the way for the birds to feed upon. But I've held enough golden sheaves in my hand to make me keep sowing on. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. Some of you may remember Dory Van Stone. She came to our church maybe 25 years ago. How many of you here when she was here? Do you remember that? Yeah, it was wonderful. She gave her testimony of a small lady and... um, She's written two books, I believe, and she's now in 
uh, Washington State. I wanted to have her back, and it's, it's hard to get her because of her age. But what a precious, precious lady. I want to close with this little story about Dory. Dory and her husband served in Papua New Guinea. And they were there for eight years. Served eight years. And then her children got sick. And uh, they were so sick, they had to come back from the mission field. And when they came back home, they came back to Chattanooga. And Wayne Barber was her pastor. He's a very good preacher. In fact, he passed away about four or five years ago, and he's in heaven now. But the people to whom they were ministering to in Papua New Guinea were cannibals. And, uh, and they weren't listening and paying attention. And Wayne gave the story, personal story of Dory when she got home. And she said, uh, Pastor, she said, you know we were there for eight years. And she said, we didn't have one convert. Nobody got saved. And they were ministering in the jungles in Papua. If you know anything about New Guinea, there are some little civilized areas. But it's the, the cannibals are, I mean, it's out in the jungles. Not one person got saved. And she told how they came down to where they were living one time. And a group of them, they brought a pig. And her husband were there. They, they were frightened, of course, not knowing what they were going to do. And they cut the pig in front of them. And they took all of the blood of the pig and began to cover themselves, all of the people, in front of Dory and her husband, Lloyd. And in mockery, they began to say, we are one because of the blood of the pig. And they were making fun of the blood of Jesus. We are one because this this is satanic even, if you understand the symbolism. We are one with the blood of the pig. And Wayne said, Dory just stood there and she wept. She said, we were there for eight years. And we didn't have one convert, not one. And then Wayne tells, continues how that Lloyd later, years later, was out running and jogging. And uh, he had a pain in his chest. And then he fell down and literally died while he was jogging of a heart attack. And so... He, he, unless the Lord gave him insight, and I think the Lord does this for us in heaven, but he never got to hear this story on earth. So Dory came to her pastor, Pastor Wayne, and uh, she's so, so excited. She said, oh, look at this letter, look at this letter. And she began to share the letter with him. And it was from the chief of the tribe, the Danai tribe, D-A-N-I. That's who they worked with for those eight years. And here's what it said. It said, uh, Dory, we would like to invite you to come back to our area where you worked for eight years. And we have made a statue that's dedicated to your husband, Lloyd, and to the chief of our tribe. And she went, and the statue had Lloyd and her husband both holding up Bibles. And then she further learned that from that tribe... Listen to this. This is is only God can do this. Are you listening? Over 250,000 believers became the leading evangelists in that part of the world from that one tribe. And here's here's what Dory told Pastor Wayne as he 
recalled this story. With tears streaming down her face, and I love the transparency, she said, I just thought it would never happen. I just thought it would never happen. I, I read that story this week, and I thought, man, that, that's, that's me so much. Is that like us? God, I, I just don't think it's going to happen. Listen, keep sowing the seed. It, it's God's to bring the harvest. It, it's God's to do His work. Don't let go of the task. Be not weary. Don't let your, your soul get weary in doing well. For in due season, in this season, cling to His mercy. Remember His power and His grace in you. Let your mind be renewed day by day. Don't judge your life by how much of the seed has grown up or, or, or how, how you feel. Don't look at the results. Look at God. I want you to bow your head with me if you would. I want to ask you a few questions. The first question I want to ask you is this. is Do you know God personally? I mean, do you know God? Have you ever been converted? Have you ever been saved? Have you ever been born again? Are you able to, to partake of this mercy and grace that I've been talking about when you get weary and you're fainting? Listen, you're not going to make it without Christ. I read uh, on Facebook the other day of a young man that's just very cynical about life. Very cynical. He doesn't know the grace of God, the mercy of God, and he's weary and he's fainting. Do you know God? And maybe as a Christian today, you, you, you do know the Lord, but, but your soul is weary and well-doing. You're about to faint. I commend you to the mercy of God. And to the grace of God, the power of God. And day by day, He can renew you. He's a God of mercy, and He can help you. While you sit there, would you, would you just tell Him, tell Him, be honest, say, Lord, I'm tired. My soul is tired. I need your help. I need your help. You see, it's not how strong your faith is, it's how strong your God is. Be not weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Our Father, I pray you would help us today. Uh, I love this truth and I, I wanted to get to the next verse, but you wouldn't let me. You wanted me to give these thoughts, this biblical material today. And so it's important to us because of that. I pray that you would help us to be faithful, help us not be concerned with the results, not that we don't want to disciple people after they're saved, but Lord, it's so hard sometimes, not only in evangelism, but at work, we put in so much effort and we do what's right and other people get promoted and it seems we're left behind. Help us not to lose our character. Help us to keep going the second mile and investing and growing. Lord, you're shaping something out of us. We're going to learn things in the valley we never learned before about you. Lord, it's true as parents. It's true in our church. Lord, it's true in our nation. Lord, help us be faithful. Be faithful. 
not negative, not cynical. Be faithful because we have a good God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Oh, God, empower, empower us and help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here at church today. I never take that for granted. And